just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back at the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. Just want to give you a little heads up. On Friday afternoon, I'm flying to San Diego, then driving up to L.A. I'm going to be there until Monday afternoon, and I'll fly home. So if over the weekend you come up one day and don't find a Rational Boomer podcast, no problems. Don't worry. It's just that I'm not in a position to actually do the podcast. Ultimately, I will be able to do them out of town. When my wife and I are going out of town, this is a little different trip. My wife's not going, my brother, some friends, nephew, that kind of thing. So I may not be able to do a podcast while I'm gone. Uh, So if you're missing one, don't worry. I'll be back Monday, and we'll be back on track. Now, some good news today. You'll remember that the House Select Committee subpoenaed a bunch of people and also a lot of documents from the White House in and around January 6th. Now, these documents hold a lot of information. And Donald Trump wasn't having it. He did not want those documents released to the select committee. So he screamed like a little piggy and said, hey, I have executive privilege. Except Joe Biden stepped up and said, "Uh, yeah, no, you don't. The only person that has executive privilege is the sitting president. And hey, that's me, Joe Biden. And I'm not asserting executive privilege. Well, now, Donald Trump is even more upset about it. So what does he do? He does the very thing that he always does, even when he knows he's going to lose, because he really has no basis in fact or law to make his complaint. But even still, what he does then is file a lawsuit so that he can delay the inevitable. And he's done it over and over and over again. That's just his... Uh, M.O. when it comes to uh, things he doesn't like. So when he filed this lawsuit, he assumed, oh, this will take forever. It'll be six months out and a year out and all this other kinds of stuff. And he's trying to run out the clock because who knows what's happening on 2022. To be perfectly honest with you, if 2022 ends up being a Republican year, then this whole select committee could go by the wayside. So it's important that they get things done before 2022. So Donald Trump files this lawsuit thinking it's going to be a delay, but instead the court case comes up on November 4th. Well, that was quick. (laughs) So the two sides went to argue their uh, cases. And at the time, the judge uh, didn't seem to have any interest in what Donald Trump was complaining about. It didn't seem to make any sense to her, which makes sense to us because there is no base in law for his fucking complaints. Still, you had to go through the process, and we had to wait for some decision from this federal court judge. Well, she released her decision, 39-page decision, pretty decisive position, And she basically said that everything that Donald Trump says or claims or complains about has no value. Donnie Trump loses again. The documents can be released and should be released. And uh, 
the Trump side had no real good argument for it. So, now the thing about it is, the National Archives, who holds these documents, said they were going to release the documents on November 12th, which is this Friday, uh, as long as no court was telling them not to do it. They weren't going to wait for them to go through the whole court system. They were just going to release them on November 12th, unless a court stepped in and said, hey, you've got to stop. Now, of course, just because Donald Trump lost this case, that doesn't mean he isn't going to file appeal, which he will. But there's a couple of things he has to do, and he may not have enough time to pull that shit off. First and foremost, he has to go to the judge who just made this decision and see if she will implement a stay, meaning hold on it until the appeal happens and then we get the final decision. Well, the fact of the matter is this judge is not going to offer a stay. There is absolutely no reason to offer something like that. So that's not going to happen. So then he'll go to an appeals court, and he'll try to get a stay from them. But the only thing they have to read is what the judge uh, ruled on this case, and there's really nothing for them to justify a stay. And then he could take it a bit farther. He could take it all the way to the Supreme Court. But these claims are so far out of legal parameters that not even they could offer any different result than this federal judge did. But here's the key thing. If what we understand is true that the, uh, the National Archives is going to release this on Friday, he has to try to get a stay. Then he has to try to get another stay. Then he may have to go to the Supreme and get them to rule on this thing. But he's got to do it by fucking Friday. So that doesn't seem too likely. That doesn't seem like that's really going to be possible for Donald Trump because things don't move that fast. You see the irony here? He filed the lawsuit thinking it was going to slow down and drag things out and then he would be able to run out the clock. But it didn't. It happened pretty quickly. And to be perfectly honest with you, if we had any kind of appeal actually crop up, it would go pretty quickly, just like the first case, and he would be found a loser again in an appeal case. He just has no grounds for it. But the ironic thing is he tried to slow everything down so he could run out the clock, and now he's running out of time. Now he's got to hurry this shit up, and it'll be interesting to see if he can pull anything off. I think he's run out his rope at this point. I think he doesn't have time. I mean, the bottom line is no matter what happens, even if it stopped to go through an appeals court and stopped to go through a Supreme Court, he's not going to win this case. And ultimately, they are going to have to release the documents. And it could be as early as this Friday, which could be interesting. Now, the thing about it is these documents are going to reveal a lot about January 6th. It's going to tell us what Donald Trump was talking about, who he was talking to, who made visits to the White House, where he was, what he knew, what he didn't know, and how much he was involved in the January 6th planning and the incitement on the day of. 
there's a lot of information in here that he doesn't want released. Otherwise, he wouldn't be fighting so hard. He knows that he's going to be proven to be part of this whole debacle on January 6th or November 6th. Oh, January 6th. I'm sorry. And he's going to be in trouble. There's no doubt a fucking about it. He's going to have a problem. I mean, there are call logs and visitor logs and speeches and notes from Mark Meadows, the chief of staff. We know he talked to Jim Jordan and who else he talked to. We don't know if he talked to somebody from the insurrectionists, from the Oath Keepers or whatever the fuck they call themselves. So this could be very problematic for Donald Trump. And this is something that uh, is going to happen pretty quickly. Again, maybe as quickly as Friday, which will be very interesting. It's, It's not something, not a situation like we saw when he was in office. He was able to game the system. He was able to draw things out. Uh, But he can't now because they don't have the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate. They have law on their side. He took it to court. He failed miserably. He'll try to appeal it just to extend time, but he's going to fail miserably. Even if he takes it to the Supreme Court, he's going to fail because the law is so obvious. He doesn't have executive privilege because only the sitting president has it. It's cut and dried. There's no debate about it. Donald Trump is just trying to waste time. And if it does go through court after court after court, it will be quickly set aside because there is no real legal complaint by Donald Trump. And that's never bothered him before, of course. He's always been the kind of guy that just did whatever the fuck he wanted. And then he played the game until people got tired of it or forgot about it. It's not going to happen in this case. Those documents will get released, and it's going to be a big problem for Donald Trump. And as I told you in the podcast yesterday, he's got other problems, too, down in Georgia. It looks like they're going to set up a grand jury. And uh, the only people they're looking at on that are Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, um, Lindsey Graham, because they all made calls left left audio tape of it, so their crimes are documented on audio tape in their voices. They got real problems there. So the January 6th commission is going to get a lot of information. They uh, are also going to, and I'm going to talk about some more subpoenas that they put out today. But I wanted to make one point. We've been very concerned about Merrick Garland and what he's doing with this Steve Bannon thing. Now, Steve Bannon, of course, refused to comply with the uh, subpoena. He claimed executive privilege. He was referred to the DOJ, Merrick Garland, for criminal contempt of Congress. Now, we have yet to see anything happen with Merrick Garland, which is pissing off a lot of people, not only in the Democratic Party, the politicians, but also with the general public. And let's be honest, politicians play in the court of public opinion as much or more than anything. When the heat is on, things have to happen. Now, Merrick Garland, as I've told you before, he's kind of a Boy Scout, sticks by the law and is concerned about doing something that might ruffle feathers with uh, leaning too politically or acting too much like Donald Trump did when he was in office. So he's been very cagey about this situation with 
Steve Bannon on whether he was going to prosecute him. Well, one of the things that Merrick Garland may have been doing is waiting for this decision. Because Steve Bannon's whole point is that he has executive privilege because of Donald Trump, and that's why he's not going to testify. Well, we just had a court ruling that said that executive privilege is bullshit. It's not real. It doesn't, it isn't a thing. So once that's taken away, now Merrick Garland is in a better position, less questionable position to actually prosecute Steve Bannon. So maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe he was waiting for that decision. Now, even if he wasn't waiting for that decision, that decision still came down, and now it's going to put pressure on him. If if it wasn't all part of his plan, this is going to put some pressure on him. There's going to be more and more people going to the DOJ with these complaints, these criminal contempt of Congress complaints, and they're going to pile up on his desk. He's already got a court case that proved the executive privilege claim is not valid. So he's between a rock and a hard place. He's got to react to this. And then you throw in the court of public opinion, all the uh, Democratic politicians and all the people in this country screaming at him. He's going to be in a tight spot. So my guess is, and I'm just taking a wild guess and it's based on nothing, but because this is all going down the way it's going down, I would not be surprised if they took Steve Bannon to the grand jury some point next week. It goes longer than that. The shit's going to fall apart for Merrick Garland. He can't keep just sitting on this stuff. This decision might have a very pivotal point in what Merrick Garland does with Steve Bannon. There's no question Steve Bannon should be prosecuted. He wasn't even in the White House in January 6th. He didn't work for the president. He didn't work for the government. He was an individual. So based on that, there should be nothing that stops them from prosecuting them. But of course, you know, with with Merrick Garland and the DOJ, they like to dot their I's and cross their T's and figure out everything that's going on. But I'll tell you this. I was watching one of the TV news channels. Don't remember which. Doesn't matter. But uh, they were talking to a gentleman by the name of uh, Lawrence Tribe, and he's a well-respected lawyer. He's a law professor at Harvard, I believe. And apparently Merrick Garland was one of his students. And Lawrence Tribe himself said, look, everything's out of the way. Everything's prime for Merrick Garland to file Um, charges against Steve Bannon. And if he doesn't by next week or the week after, that's problematic. That's wrong. And there is a problem there that needs to be fixed. So Merrick Garland's teacher himself, a well-respected Lawrence Tribe, said he's got to be doing something pretty quickly. So hopefully with this this decision and some of the other things that are happening will actually see Merrick Garland do something and file charges. Now, what that will do, what that will do is that will make other people nervous when they finally see that, yes, they're going to file charges. Some of these people that are sitting on their thumbs are going to say, oh, fuck, I don't want to get in that. I don't want to be charged with criminal contempt of Congress. I could go to jail for that. Nothing, not even Donald Trump, is worth going to jail over something like that. 
So we'll have to see all this all plays out, but it looks like it's going to happen all very quickly. So watch very closely, keep your eyes open, and keep listening, stay in touch with the Rational Boomer podcast, and we'll keep you informed as we continue through this process. But uh, I think Steve Bannon's going to get his, and Donald Trump is not going to get his hopes and dreams of keeping those documents hidden. He has a reason he wants them hidden, and that's the very reason why we should see them. All right, I got some more political stuff to talk about, but I want to bring this up, not because it really matters that much, but I talked about it once before, and I thought I'd fill you in on what the results are of this situation. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers lying about being vaccinated, getting all kinds of heat from people. He goes on another radio show or podcast or whatever he was on, and he starts telling people, well, I wasn't immunized. I wasn't vaccinated, but I was immunized because I was taking ivermectin. And they said, well, where did you get this medical information? And they said, Joe Rogan. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. So the next time you uh, tear an Achilles or pull a hamstring when you're playing football, you're going to call Joe Rogan to have him tell you how to fix it, or are you going to go with the trainer or the doctor with the team? Dumb fucking answer. Dumb fucking answer. Well, now, of course, the NFL weighed in on this, and it's really more about um, more about Aaron Rodgers lying because there are other people in the NFL, one in my home state, that have acknowledged that they aren't getting vaccinated. So there's some other protocol they have to go through if they aren't getting vaccinated. So um, you can play in the NFL and not be vaccinated, but you got to own up to it. You got to be honest about it. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't. So what happens to him? NFL comes up with punishment for this. And first of all, the Green Bay Packers were fined $300,000. It's a lot of money. Not for the Green Bay Packers, but it's a lot of money. Now, there was one other member of the team that was also fined with Aaron Rodgers. His name is Alan Lazard. I think he's a wide receiver. Apparently, Aaron and Alan went to a Halloween party without being vaccinated, without wearing a mask. He did a press conference. Aaron did a press conference without wearing a mask. That's all violations of the NFL's rules. So Aaron Rodgers was fined $14,650, and so was Alan Lazard. Now, let's be fucking perfectly honest. $14,000 to a guy making $100 million ain't shit. He spends more on that at Starbucks a month. So I don't know if he's going to learn a lesson from the fine. But I tell you what. He's learning a lesson from the, again, court of public opinion. He's maybe one of the most hated men in pro football right now. And every time he talks, he doesn't make it better. He makes it a lot worse. Um, But here's the thing. If there are future violations, and it doesn't even have to be Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard, if they have future violations of this COVID thing, there will be more fines for the Green Bay, maybe another $300,000. But they could also you lose their position in the draft. So like if they're drafting number nine, the NFL would come in and say, no, you're going at 15 now or whatever. So this is could be pretty damaging to the uh, Green Bay Packers if it continues. 
Now, of course, if Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard um, continue to break the rules or continue to lie, well, then uh, they could be fined more. And again, another $14,650 isn't going to matter to fucking Aaron Rodgers, but maybe they boost it up a bit. Maybe they give him a suspension. Maybe something else happens. So these people are going to be watched, the Green Bay Packers, these players, and all the other players on the team. Now, football's a team sport. And at this point, Aaron Rodgers doesn't come off as a team player. Seems more like an asshole, don't you think? So it'll be interesting to see how the chemistry is within the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers comes back. For my money, he's a fucking crybaby. He's arrogant, he's narcissistic, and he's a crybaby. Things don't go his way. He cries and blames somebody else. And that's exactly what he's doing here. He's saying he's being uh, persecuted by the woke mob. No, motherfucker, you just lied. You flat out lied to your team and your your uh, colleagues on the team, and you put them in danger. Every time you went to a party, you put them in da- put those people in danger. No, you're an arrogant fuck. This is nobody's fault but yours, Aaron Rodgers. And if you can't own up to that, well, then you're a piece of shit. And your time with the Green Bay Packers and maybe in the NFL are limited. I talked about this before on a TikTok and maybe on the podcast, too. But when you compare somebody like Colin Kaepernick to Aaron Rodgers, Colin Kaepernick essentially took a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality. It wasn't anything against America. It wasn't anything against our government. It was to protest police brutality. And there's some reason for him to do that. It's legitimate. In fact, when he decided to do this, he went to a friend who was in the military and said, I want to do something, what would you suggest? And his friend in the military suggested he take a knee. So he did his due diligence and went to somebody in the military to see what would be the best way, the most respectful way to do this. And that's what he told him, take a knee. But he takes a knee. Donald Trump is a president screaming he should get fired, called him a son of a bitch or a bastard or whatever he called him. Totally not in the line of what you would hear a president say. So what happens to Colin Kaepernick? Well, Colin Kaepernick essentially gets blackballed from the NFL. He doesn't get to play anymore. Now, don't cry for Colin Kaepernick. He's a talented, smart guy, and uh, he's still making plenty of money. And he made plenty of money before he got blackballed. So he's, he's not having trouble going out for dinner. He's fine. But still, the treatment was unwarranted. And now you've got Aaron Rodgers, who has disease that could cause people to get very sick, maybe even die. He lies about it, and he gets a $14,000 fine. You see how fucked up that appears? And he still gets to play. He still gets to collect his check from the NFL. And the only difference between these two people is one's black, one's white. Realistically, that's the only difference. They're both quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron might be a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick, but that shouldn't matter. If you're breaking NFL rules, you should be punished. Now, here's the thing. Colin Kaepernick didn't break any NFL rules. It was just all the 
outrage that was created by the president and the administration, the Trump administration, that caused everybody to say, get Colin Kaepernick out of there. You see how fucked that that is? And this is from a a business that uh, makes billions and billions and billions of dollars a year. Yet they chose to take the black quarterback, blackball him, and Aaron Rodgers, they're fining $14,650. Even if they committed the same crime, that was fucking unfair at best. But what Aaron Rodgers did was far worse than anything Colin Kaepernick did, and he got a $14,000 fine. Tell me that's not fucked up. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So... I'm recording this podcast late in the evening on November 11th, which is Veterans Day. We're right just after 11 p.m. on Friday night. So I'm still sitting in the midst of Veterans Day. And I feel pretty strongly about Veterans Day. I really only had one close relative to me to serve in the armed services. I was too young for Vietnam. My dad was too young for World War II. By the time Korea came along, he was married, had kids, and they weren't sending people like that. So the one relative of mine was my grandfather on my mother's side. His name is Ed. Now, Ed was a great guy. Ed was just a working man, blue-collar guy, worked in a brewery bottling beer bottles or whatever he did. He worked hard, but he wasn't especially skilled. He was a good mechanic, but not professionally speaking. He always had like five, six cars in his uh, driveway that he was working on and maybe selling or just keeping or whatever. But Ed was a good guy. He was a great guy. He and I were pretty close. He, like my other grandfather too, they both had kind of a, uh, a young side or a childish side, and I don't mean that negatively. They like to have fun. They like to goof around. And Ed was a lot like that. Whenever uh, my brother and I hung around with my grandfather, it wasn't like Grandpa taking the two grandchildren out. It was like three boys out there looking to get into some shit because my grandfather was always willing to goof off and maybe get in a little bit of trouble. Sweetest guy in the world, but he was mischievous like a lot of little kids are. So I love this guy. I miss him. He died a long time ago. And uh, he was in World War II. Now, what he did was he was on something called the Red Ball Express, which is an interesting group within the Army at that time. The Red Ball Express was basically guys driving trucks with machine guns mounted on the side, taking supplies from the rear all the way up to the front lines. And then when he got to the front lines, you would take prisoners of war back to the back of the uh, action. And 
generally, when you know somebody who's been in a war, they don't like to talk about it. They don't like to talk about it at all. The funny thing is, with my grandfather, he talked about it every day. Clearly, this war had a huge impact on his life. And every time I saw him, he had a story or he had some quip about being in World War II. Of course, he called it the big one, but he was referring to World War II. Now, he always told stories, but the interesting thing is they were never gory, bloody, making him look heroic or anything like that. He never did anything like that. Generally, generally the stories were kind of funny or just weird. But there was one story that he told me that always sticks with me and is the essence of who my grandfather is. He said that uh, he and his troop, uh, maybe regiment or troop or whatever you call it, were going into Anzio, Italy. And he said, before we got into Anzio, Italy, the old man, which is his reference to the commander or, or whoever it was, but he called him the old man. And he said, the old man told us when we get into Anzio, don't drink the alcohol. There's reports of bad alcohol in that area. Do not drink the alcohol. And so they get to Anzio. And I said, so what'd you do? He said, oh, me and my buddy, Whitey, we went out and uh, got drunk. I go, why would you do that? Your, your, your commander just told you not to do it and that it was dangerous. He goes, yeah, I know, but we're young and we're drinkers and we're in a war. Okay, we just got to have some beer or liquor or whatever we had. So he did. I said, so when you drink, what happens? You get in trouble, what happened? He goes, to be honest with you, I don't know exactly what happened. I said, what do you mean? How do you know you don't know what happened? He said, because three days later, I woke up in a hospital bed, <laughs> and I was blind. <laughs> he said, it was temporary. I go, I know, Grandpa, you you see fine now, but you woke up in a hospital bed three days later, and you were blind. He goes, yeah, we were goofy fucks. You know, we did whatever the hell we wanted to do. Our life was on the line every day, and we needed something to let the steam off. But that's who he was, you know. He always looked at everything positively. He would never tell me a story that was tragic or bloody or gory or to make him out to be a hero. He always told the funny anecdotes and stories that happened in the war. I was impressed that this war had this much impact on him day to day because he thought about it every day. But I appreciated the fact that somehow he found the lighter side of World War II, the big one. And I miss him. And I have a lot of respect for veterans in this country, whether they fought in World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever. You know, if you go back to Vietnam and those people came back and they didn't get a lot of uh, positive reinforcement when they came back because of the type of war it was. But the fact of the matter is these people took their direction from the government. They stepped up. They did what they were supposed to do, even though they, they knew that they were risking their lives. They did what they were supposed to do, and they 
did a good job. Regardless of what you think about the wars, you've got to have respect for those men and women that stepped up and did the job because without them, this would be a much different place. So I feel strongly about uh, Veterans Day. But the reason I bring it up is because I think sometimes people just gloss over Veterans Day. There are other days that people consider more important or bigger bigger days or people are more excited about or involved in. And I'm not talking Christmas and Easter and those sorts of things. I'm talking about bullshit days that people have made up that are important to them. I'll give you an example. Black Friday. Right day after Thanksgiving, nobody's more excited. Nobody's more interested. There isn't more coverage for any day in 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 the year other than Black Friday. And oh, sure, it's nice nice to get a deal on a toaster or a TV set or something like that. But we put all that time and that effort into Black Friday. But we just kind of gloss over Veterans Day. I will say today, with all that was on TV and such, that they did pay a proper tribute. But I'm talking to the people at large, people in the country, Do you really focus on Veterans Day? Do you really understand the importance of the day and the people we are paying tribute to? If you don't, you should. Now, with that, I want to talk about Donald Trump, the man who said he was all for the troops, all for the fighting men and women of this country. Nobody's better for the American troops than Donald Trump, he would say. But I beg to differ based on things I've seen him do. He stood in front of a crowd of uh, servicemen and women and said, I got you a raise. When in fact he didn't. There was no fucking raise. But he stood up there, took the cheering, took the bow, did everything he was supposed to do uh, so he could put himself up on a pedestal, and then when it came down to it, he didn't deliver. Now, that's bad enough. But there's another story you should know about. And this one is appalling, fucking appalling. And I don't know that we all knew the facts of this when it happened because we only heard what the TV news told us, and the TV news only only knew what the government, the Trump administration, told them. What we find out now is quite appalling and really questions whether Donald Trump is truly for the troops. I say he's not. Donald Trump is only for himself, not the troops. So you might remember a couple of years ago during the Trump administration, Iran bombed an American base in Iraq. Uh, The base was called Al-Assad. Now, they dropped uh, a few missiles in there, blew up a lot of shit. But when it was done, somebody asked Donald Trump, what about American casualties? And, of course, Donald Trump said, yeah, nobody, no Americans were hurt. Which we quickly found out was bullshit. There were Americans hurt. But then he said, well, you know, they got some headaches and some cuts and bruises. No big deal. It's no big fucking deal. 
But we come to find now that that wasn't true. We should know better because Donald Trump rarely tells the truth. And so what we find out now, now that Donald Trump and the administration is out of the office and we've got the Biden administration in, we're starting to get some real information about what really happened. So Iran bombed this base in Iraq two years ago. It exploded and destroyed a lot of things. And it turns out it hurt a lot of Americans. Seriously. And it's not just that they tried to hide it, which they did, but there's more to it. What we didn't know at the time was that 23 service people were medevaced from the site of the bombing, the um, Al-Assad base. They were medevaced. They were that badly injured that they had to be medevaced out of there. But there was another 27 people with significant injuries that stayed back at the base. They had to be treated on the base. So we're talking about, it was 26 actually. So there was a total of 59 people injured or wounded from this bombing. Okay? So now what happens, the people that are medevaced, it's hard to hide that. It's hard to ignore that. And even though Donald Trump said nothing about it, he was still concerned about the perception of it all, the optics, if you will. Now, the 23 people that were medevaced because they were that badly injured were awarded the Purple Heart, which is a significant award for somebody who's wounded in combat. Now, the other 27 were to get a Purple Heart, too. And as well they should, because they were wounded or injured in a bombing while they were fighting. But for whatever reason, they got the 23, the Purple Heart, but the remaining 27 didn't. So the military went to the administration and said, what's the deal? We need to get these done. They put in their paperwork, but you've ignored it. What's going on? We need to get them their Purple Hearts. So the administration, maybe through the Pentagon or just directly through the administration, said, that's not happening. We don't want you to talk about it anymore. The political climate's not right for it. Well, what the fuck does that mean? These people are serving in our armed services. They get wounded or injured. They're entitled to a Purple Heart, but for whatever reason, they'll give 23 that were medevaced out, but not these 26. Why not? Well, that's the question. Why not? Why would you possibly hold back on that? Well, I'll tell you. They had to own the 23 because they were medevaced out, and there was a lot of press about it. The 27 that were held back weren't as high profile. So they figured, okay, we got to give the 23 Purple Hearts to these people, but we don't want to make it look worse because that's just going to be bad for the election, bad for the perception of the Trump administration. So we're just going to hide them away. We're going to ignore those 26 people. And that is exactly what they did. The pressure was on the military, by the administration, and by the Pentagon to just shut up about it. Don't give them the Purple Hearts. We don't want to own the fact that there were more people hurt than Donald Trump claimed. 
Remember, Donald Trump claimed in the first place nobody got hurt. But then the 23 were medevaced. He had to own that. But he said, I'm not going to let the 26 make it look even worse. So we're just going to ignore it. We're not going to deal with it. Sound familiar? Sounds like COVID. We're going to call it a hoax. We're going to ignore it because this could be bad for the campaign. This could make us look bad. We don't want to deal with it. Just hide it. Act like it didn't happen. He did the same thing with those 26 people in our armed services. Well, now that we have a new administration, now they've started the process once again to get these people the Purple Hearts they deserve, give them the recognition that they deserve. So when Donald Trump or Republicans tell you, oh, we're all for the armed services, we back the military, no, they don't. Donald Trump doesn't back the military, and if you back Donald Trump, you don't back the military. This is a clear example that Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about the military. He doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. So this kind of story I find appalling, but I think we're going to find more stories like this. Things that Donald Trump did, take shortcuts, hide things, because he's afraid that it's going to hurt his image. This is where we're at in this country. This is who the country was under the Trump administration. Yet we still have a large percentage of people that are insisting on following, backing, supporting, and lying for this piece of shit. Now, if you have armed service people getting injured, wounded, what have you, and you ignore them as if it didn't happen, that makes you less than somebody who doesn't support the military. It makes you someone that's working against the military and the people that are serving in the military. That makes you the worst fucking human being on this earth. And it's opportune to bring it up on this day, Veterans Day, when everybody should be paying tribute to the people who, who fought and died for this country. You think Donald Trump is? No, he's probably fucking golfing and trying to figure out a way to hide the fact that he ignored 26 service members for their due tribute. It's, it's truly frightening to hear these stories. It's upsetting. This stuff needs to be exposed and this stuff needs to be dealt with. This is not who this country is and we can't afford to continue down this road. It's dangerous. I wanted to bring one other thing up because I'm hearing this a lot. I get a lot of comments from people and saying, Joe Biden's not doing anything for us. He's not passing the voting rights bill. Here's the deal. Did you think when Joe Biden got into office 10 months ago, he could flip a switch and fix everything immediately? Because if you did, you're uninformed. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Everything takes time. First and foremost, he had to do the COVID relief. Did it. Done. Helped the economy. Helped some people. These infrastructure bills are absolutely crucial to uh, tend to what needs to be done in this country and what needs to be done for these people. You can't do 20 things at once. Government just doesn't work that way. 
So he's getting the infrastructure deal done. He got the first one done and signed and sealed and delivered. Now he's got to get the second one. Presumably next week that will happen. And when it does, they are going to go on to the voting rights bill. Don't think they forgot about it. They would have passed it the first day if they could, but you've got no Republicans willing to vote for it. They're all for voter suppression and not for voting rights. And because it's not a budget bill, it has to pass with a, uh, a supermajority of 60 votes when in the Senate. Now, if you've only got 50 votes that are Democrat in the Senate, you can't pass that motherfucker. Joe Biden could do backflips and cartwheels, and he couldn't get it done because the Republicans are stopping it. They're fucking stopping it. And because they're stopping it, you've got to come at this a different way. So the only way to get this accomplished is to get rid of or cut out the filibuster. He got the COVID relief bill done. He got us out of a 20-year war. He did the infrastructure bill. He's going to finish the second Build Back Better bill next week, hopefully. And now he's going to jump on the voting rights bill because that is an absolutely crucial bill. Without that voting rights bill, we're going to have state after state gaming the system in their states so the Republicans can win. That needs to be undone. And the only way to do that is with the voting rights bill. Trust me, Joe Biden knows that. The Democrats know that. Republicans know that. That bill may be the most important bill that gets passed, and Joe Biden knows that. But you can only take it a step at a time. So now when the infrastructure and the bipartisan bipartisan infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better Reconciliation Bill are done, the voting rights bill will be on the docket And now they got to figure out a way not only to vote for it and get it passed, but they got to find a way around the filibuster. And all the while this has been going on, that's what they've been doing, trying to figure out a way to get around the filibuster to get this passed. They need Manchin and Cinema on board. They don't need to sell sell the Republicans because they can't be sold. So get Manchin and Cinema on board. They kept yelling for bipartisanism. It can't be done. They've tried to run these voting right bills twice. Twice the Republicans have not allowed it to pass. So when you sit there and you put a comment on my post and say, I'm mad at Joe Biden because he hasn't passed the voting rights bill. Well, it's not for fucking trying. Now, he wasn't, it's not like he wasn't fucking trying. He's trying. But he's getting stonewalled by the Republicans. He's going to get it done. He's going to get it done soon, probably before the end of the year. But it takes a process to do it. You've given the guy fucking 10 months. Give him another couple months to get that done before you start whining and crying about it. Yes, I know it needs to get done quickly, and it does. But unfortunately, the government doesn't work that way. So you need to just settle down, wait, be patient, Don't be like a little kid waiting to get his ice cream cone. It's going to happen, but you got to be patient. And don't just throw up your hands and have a a tantrum because everything's not going your way. Because in this world and in that government, not everything goes your way. It certainly doesn't happen as fast as anyone likes it. 
I'd just soon see it pass, but I understand the circumstances. you got to read the room a little bit, for Christ's sake. Just settle down. The voting rights bill will pass, and then what are you going to say to me? Well, it's about time. Fuck you. Be an adult here. Pay attention to what's going on. Push your representatives, and we'll get the fucker done. Understand? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ending that on a good note. Anyway, I'm going to wrap things up for this one. There'll be another podcast tomorrow. There may not be one on Sunday. I get back Monday from Los Angeles, and I'll do one on Monday. And uh, I should be doing TikToks all through the weekend, too. So if you're missing something here on the podcast, always check with TikTok, because I always have a ton of those TikToks talking about much the same things that we talk about here, but a little bit shorter. So anyway, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope everything goes your way. I hope things happen in the news the way we want it to. But if it doesn't, don't pout. We'll get there. Trust me on this. We'll get there. All right. We'll be back and talking to you soon. We'll see you later on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.